Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Unspeakable Love Sermon Series, which is based out of the book of Hosea. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Well, let's get into uh, get into the Word of God tonight. And uh, Hosea chapter number five. Man, we have not been in our Hosea series uh, for four and a half or for five weeks, I think. We've been having different things happen. And so I'm excited to get back into our series tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. But just so we know... Um, want to kind of get everybody up to, up to speed as to where we are in our series. Of course, the book of Hosea opens up with uh, the prophet Hosea at the time of the children of Israel. Uh, you will recall that the children of Israel, had, it had been prophesied that uh, at four gener- when the prophecy happened, it was at four generations, the children of Israel would go into captivity. When you come to the book of Hosea, you are just about one generation away from all of the nation of Israel going into captivity. And Hosea, of course, this was at a time when uh, it, it seemed like the voice of God was silent. This would be at a time when, uh, though Israel was still considered the people of God, they really were not following God. They were not uh, desirous to follow God. There was nothing godly about the children of Israel at this time, except for a few that would be called the remnant. And uh, God promises that in every generation, there will be a remnant of people that continue to follow him. Uh, it's good to know that Bible-believing Christians, we're, we're some of the remnant of followers of Jesus in the end times. And we know that to be true. And so when you look at Hosea, what you have taking place is Hosea coming, and it's at a time when God is seemingly silent, but then God speaks. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3 tells us this, that God comes and Hosea said this, the word of the Lord came unto Hosea. Man, can you imagine that? It's a, it's a dead time. God hasn't been speaking. And then all of a sudden, Hosea, God's voice speaks. God's voice splits through the air. We've already gone through this a little bit, but since we've had a month be- between messages, just want to help you. You can imagine Hosea getting excited. All right, this is it. What's God going to say? We've been going through a moment. We've been going through a period of silence, and God's voice has been silent. I'm the prophet. All right, God, what do you want to say? And God says to him, I want you to go marry a lady of whoredoms, the daughter of whoredoms. What do you say? That's where Hosea is at. Um, I'm sorry, God. Do what? And God says this, I want you to go marry a woman that has been given over to prostitution because I'm going to use your life as an action message. I'm going to use your life to teach my people a truth. Well, Hosea, he obeys. The Bible tells us he goes and he marries Gomer. He marries Gomer, and uh, of course, I can imagine uh, Hosea may be thinking, all right, uh, God's going to allow me to marry Gomer and going to bring her back around, and and everything's going to be hunky-dory. But as you move into Hosea chapter 2, and you begin to find that Gomer, uh, just as her ways were, she did not stay faithful to Hosea. 
No, instead, uh, Hosea and her, they had, they had one child. The first child was Jezreel, which means uh, the name means may God destroy. And, and of course, Hosea thinking maybe this is, maybe this is a sign that God's going to destroy the past life of Israel and everything's going to be good, but it wasn't because Gomer ended up being unfaithful to her husband, Hosea. She turns and she goes, and the Bible tells us that she actually goes and uh, she begins expecting another child of another man. And that child is born into this world, and God says to Hosea, I want you to name the second child Lo Ruhama. Lo Ruhama, which means unpitied, or the one that, I, that never knew a father's love. And then Gomer becomes pregnant from another man. And that third child, they name Lo Ami or Lo Ami, meaning not belonging to me or not mine. And God would actually use the three names of these children to show Israel what's going to take place in their life. Jezreel, it means destruction. God says, hey, because of your sin, I'm going to destroy you. Lo Rohuama, uh, it means rejection. Uh, you're not even going to know my love. Because you've walked away from me, I reject your actions, and I'm rejecting what's taking place in your life. And then that name, Lo Ami, or Lo Ami, is isolation. God says, I'm actually, because of your sin, I'm going to turn my back on you. Man, what a crazy place. All of this is happening, of course, in the life of Hosea and Gomer, but God is depicting the relationship between him and the people of Israel. You see, what had happened is the people of Israel, they, they had gone, the biblical word for it is they had gone a-whoring after other gods. They had gone seeking after other gods. They had gone trying to find fulfillment in the relationship and worship of other gods. And God is coming to them through Hosea and through Gomer and through this action message, and he's helping them understand, hey, children of Israel, you will never find fulfillment apart from me. That's the whole end of chapter number two, Hosea going to Gomer and saying, telling the three children because the names were changed to, uh, uh, from lo, lo am I to am I, meaning mine, or lo rohuama, one that has never known a father's love, to one ruhama that has known a father's love and knows it well. And God is simply saying this in all of those messages. He's saying, hey, listen, even though you turn your back, I still love you. Even though you walk away, I still want you as my people. What a great message for us. Isn't it good to know that no matter what happens in our life, God says in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to leave you in a lost place. Man, what a helpful thought. That's good to know. Why? Because if I were me, I would have left me by now. I mean, let's just be honest. If you were God, would you have left you by now and been like, all right, I'm done. Forget it. But God doesn't do that. God continually calls for that restorative relationship. And the picture of Hosea and Gomer, God says with the children, it's a picture of destruction, rejection, and isolation. But then you come to Hosea chapter number three, and it's all a picture of redemption. Because what happens is God says to Hosea, Hosea, your wife, Gomer, she's now owned by somebody else. Her lifestyle has got her sunk. Hosea, I want you to go buy her back. 
And Hosea goes and literally purchases his wife and brings her back into the house and says, you will no more, you will no more be playing the role that you've been playing. You're mine. You'll be faithful to me. I have redeemed you. I have brought you back into my love. And that's what God does in our life. Man, he pursues us for the purpose of redemption. Not only redemption at the time of salvation, but redemption in, in every area of our relationship so that, and the lesson that we're even we're gonna see today, the lesson that God is trying to teach the children of Israel through Hosea and Gomer is simple. It's this, and it's a great lesson for every Christian. You and I will never find true fulfillment in life apart from the relationship with Jesus Christ. You never will. We'll never find true fulfillment in life apart from that relationship with Jesus Christ. And man, I think of uh, so much that has taken place in the life of Hosea and the life of Gomer. And as you move into Hosea chapter number four, we actually find that you leave off the life of Hosea and Gomer and we move now from looking at Hosea and Gomer to just God speaking to Israel. One of the, the last message that we preached is Hosea chapter four and a key verse. I want you to see it. We're not gonna spend time there, but I want you to see it. Look at Hosea chapter four and verse number one because here's what we read. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. You know what had happened in the children of Israel's life? You see, what had took place in, in Hosea chapter number four is God calls out all sorts of sin in their life, and he has shown that their sin is going to come back and haunt them and haunt the land, as we're going to see in chapter five. And, and God says even to uh, Judah, he says to Judah, right, Israel and Judah, you got the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. God says to Judah, hey, stay away from Israel. Their sin is going to hurt you just like it's hurting them. But in Hosea chapter four and verse number one, God shows where it all started. Do you know why the children of Israel, listen, you want to go back to the Old Testament and find out why the children of Israel continually walked away from God? Here's why. They rejected his word. The prophet would come up and say, thus saith the Lord, and the people would leave. The prophet would stand up and say, here's what God has to say, and the people would say, we don't care. Can I just tell you that any controversy in your life that takes place any controversy that is brought on by you is probably because of a rejection of God's word. I'm not talking about circumstances that are out of our control. I'm talking about times in our life when we know we make a foolish decision. You want to know where it started? It started because we probably backed away from his word. We stopped allowing his word to direct our life. And if we're going to avoid controversy in our life, uh, uh, sinful controversy, we must keep ourselves close to his word. We're going to see a similar thought tonight. And so I want you to stand, if you would, Hosea chapter number five, <coughs> excuse me, Hosea chapter five. And uh, we're going to read, we're going to read about 18 verses. We're going to read all of chapter five into chapter six, just the first three verses. And then we'll hear from the Lord tonight through this passage. Isaiah, or excuse me, Hosea chapter five and verse number one, you read this. Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken, ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king. 
Now, very briefly, I want to say, if you go back, and, and we don't have time to do it, if you haven't been here for our messages, just go online and look and figure all that out. By the way, we have a brand new website that got launched this week that Robert has put countless of hours into. I encourage you to go look at the website. Uh, I think there's still a few kinks maybe that need to be worked out. Is that good or is everything good to go? As far as Robert knows, it's good to go. And it's on there. I've already been on the website. Great, great resources on there. Great information about our church. But also you can get on, you can log on to the messages as well as now you can do it in iTunes on podcast. You can talk to Robert and Brian. They'll help you out with all this. But if you haven't been here for our messages at all, go and listen to them um, because they're helpful. But what you find when you come to Hosea chapter 5 and verse 1, he addresses three groups of people. Did you see that there, what I just read? He says, hear this, O priests, hearken ye house of Israel, give ear, O the house of the king. Um, he, he, he addresses the religious leader, okay, the priests. He addresses the economical leader, the kings. And he addresses the lay people when he just says, hear this, O ye people of Israel. All three, listen, all of the groups were guilty of abandoning God. And so God is trying to very, he's trying to get their attention. You ever had your mom growing up, they kind of called you by name, middle name and last name? Man, I knew I was in trouble. If mom said, Dennis, Dennis Johnson, I knew. I knew I need to turn around. If it was Dennis Johnson Fountain, you better pay attention. This is God. He's not just saying, hey, priests, or hey, king, or hey, people. He's saying, hey, priests, kings, people, you have all abandoned me. Notice what he says. He says, hear this, for judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare unto, on Mizpah and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters are profound to make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. They will not frame their doings to uh, turn unto their God, for the spirit of Whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their portions. Blow ye the cornet, uh, Gibeah, and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Beth Haven after thee, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that removed the bound. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away, and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. 
Come, and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know. If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Man, there is so much in this passage and there's so much that is not understood sometimes in this passage. And so we'll try to get some thoughts tonight and be helped by it. So let's pray, and then we'll get into his word. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a moment, and in the quietness of your own heart, would you just ask the Lord to, uh, to speak to you and commit the next few moments to him, and ask God to help you tonight to hear from him as he speaks to you. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to us tonight, pray that you'd help us, and pray that your word would be, um, Lord, just very uh, clear to us tonight. Father, there's a lot here, and uh, I pray that you'd help me not to get off track, help me to stay focused in, and Lord, that we would uh, understand your word and how to apply it to our lives for this week. We love you, and thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we get started tonight, I want to tell, um, tell you about our dog, we got a dog back in May, and uh, his name is Roy. And uh, Roy, R-O-I, it um, goes back to Jehovah Roi, the God who provides, uh, because it was kind of a time in our life when the kids needed a dog and someone gave us a dog. So it was the, Roy was his name, uh, kind of prophetic. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Roy, he's a, he's a good dog, but he's kind of stubborn. He's kind of a stubborn dog. He's a very hyperactive dog. If you know anything about Roy, he's a hyperactive dog. But the, one of the reasons that Roy is stubborn is Roy always just gets himself into trouble. Roy finds himself getting, he is an escape artist. He gets out of the backyard all the time. The other day, he watched Micah jump over a part of the fence. And Roy figured out that he could do the exact same thing Micah did by climbing on one fence and jumping over the other fence because he watched Micah do it. Roy's just, a, he's, a, he's an intelligent dog. He can get out of fences. Uh, Roy, he, uh, for a while, we would not let him run in the backyard free. We put him on a run line. And there was one day I was here at the office and Hannah gave me a phone call and she said, honey, you need to come home because Roy is squealing in the backyard because he's all tangled up in the run line. I went home and sure enough, Roy had wrapped his, I have no, I still to this day have no idea. Roy had the run line just all wrapped around his back and it wasn't wrapped around him. It was just like one clump of his fur had the run line all wrapped in and through. I have no idea how he did it. We ended up having to cut the run line. I got scissors and cut the run line, had to cut it all off of him. And I was just like, dog, what are you doing? You need to learn. Stop getting into silly things, you know? Christmas day. Christmas Day. I think we started the day. Roy had escaped from the yard. We put him back. A little bit later, Dennis was outside giving Roy a bone that we had got him. And, uh, and he came back and said, Dad, Roy's got something really pokey in him. And he's, and he's kind of whimpering. So I went outside. Roy had found chicken wire 
Now, remind you, we had remodeled this house. I have no idea where the chicken wire came from. I thought we had everything cleaned up. He had got chicken wire all wrapped around him and, I mean, tangled in every part of his body was chicken wire. And so on Christmas Day after lunch, here I am down there. I have my legs wrapped around Roy's legs, my arms wrapped around uh, his upper paws and holding him in a headlock because he's a huge dog. I'm literally just holding him in this wrestle lock position and Hannah's taking scissors and going through and cutting this chicken wire. It took us like an hour and a half. Hannah said it this way. She said, I feel like the dog always finds trouble. How many of you had an animal like that? How many of you have children like that? How about a spouse? Just kidding, just kidding. Don't, no, don't say that. You know what? I find myself sometimes looking at Roy like, Roy, like when are you going to get it, man? Like just stay away from some of these things. They just cause damage. They, they hurt you. As I come to Hosea chapter number five, I almost find myself looking back at the history of Israel and I find God looking at Israel like I look at Roy. Like Israel, what are you doing? Like, don't you realize that what you continue to do, it just keeps hurting you? Stop it. And you remember the counseling video my dad showed in that class months ago, or it had been years ago now. You remember that, Quinn? It was the Stop It video. If you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube. Bob Newhart, Stop It. Just look that up. Bob Newhart, Stop It. Anybody remember now what I'm talking about? A few of you do. Um, two great words in counseling. Stop it. That's so how I feel like God's saying to Israel, hey, stop it. As we come to Hosea 5 and God again reminding, and that's really from Hosea chapter 4 to Hosea chapter 14, God is just kind of reminding Israel over and over again, like, hey, this is not going to work out the way you think it is. And so as we look at Hosea chapter 5 tonight, I want us to get the reminder that God is giving to Israel because I think that it's something that just as Israel needed to hear it, I think that we need to hear it as well. And so I want to do something that I want you to take your Bible and look with me, if you will, at a, a few thoughts that God points out to Israel through, uh, uh, through Hosea. Number one, I want you to see that God points out uh, that Israel was continually making a, uh, or going a stubborn direction. It, or a stubborn direction. Israel was continually going a stubborn direction. Notice, if you will, verse number one through five. I, I won't read all of these, passages, these verses again, but basically God is saying this. Hey, listen, Israel has continued to deny me and to walk away from me. That's what verses one through five say. They've revolted against me. They brought others in on their sin. And Israel is just continuing down this stubborn road. How we know it's a stubborn road is look with me at verse number four. Look at verse four. Notice what, what Hosea says. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. For the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them and they have not known the Lord. That phrase, they will not frame their doings to turn unto the Lord, it means this, they will not willfully, they will not willfully allow their works to be godly works. In other words, this verse is saying that Israel is making a willful decision to not allow themselves to seek after God. 
they are literally wrestling themselves away from following after God. Now, when you look back at Israel's history, it seems at times that they were truly just stubbornly following after sin. How many of you have read the uh, parts of the Old Testament? You've read that. You know what? When you read parts of the Old Testament, don't you find time and time again that the children of Israel, God says, go this way, and they would go, okay, go that way. That happened multiple times in the Old Testament. And if you look at verse number five, why did they do it? Look at verse five. The pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Hey, you want to know why they will not frame their doings to turn from God or turn unto their God? Because of their own pride. Israel's stubborn decision is that they would not allow themselves, they wouldn't allow themselves to turn to the Lord. You think about it, times in the Old Testament when Israel and their sin was called out by a prophet. How many times did someone come to the stories of uh, the king of Ahab and his queen Jezebel? We heard a great message on Thursday night. Listen, this is a plug for a commercial. If you were not here Thursday night and you missed the message by Pastor Connor about fighting discouragement in your life, you need to get it. You need the message to battle discouragement. Very, very helpful, very practical. But isn't it true, and he, he looked at uh, Elijah and he looked at uh, Ahab and Jezebel, isn't it true that many of the prophets stood up to Ahab and Jezebel and said, thus saith the Lord, Ahab and Jezebel, you're leading Israel this way. You need to turn around. The famine is because of you. The wars are because of you. If you would simply repent and turn to God, God will show you mercy. But what they do? They willfully said no. Think about Jeroboam. If you read 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles, you read those in there, you'll read this phrase about Jeroboam. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. But if you go back to the beginning, if you go back to the beginning of Jeroboam's life, you'll find Jeroboam at a crossroads to follow God or to choose his own way. He was presented with that. Jeroboam, you have, you have the presentation. You have the opportunity, the decision. You can follow God or you can go this way. And Jeroboam said, I'm going this way. How about Solomon's son, Rehoboam? Same time as Jeroboam. Solomon's son could have listened to the wise counsel of the elder men, but instead he forsook knowledge and he forsook the way of God and chose his own selfish ways. And you say, pastor, it's kind of repetitive. It is, but listen, it's repetitive in Israel's history. They willfully walked away from God. One of the greatest examples of this in, the, in Israel's history was right at the beginning of, kingship, of having a king. His name was Saul. Remember Saul, a very humble man, walked with God. God used him. Uh, the Bible says that he was, uh, he was a tall man and he was a good-natured uh, good man and he, was, uh, he, he had this humble spirit. And yet, a few years into being king, Samuel said, Saul, you need to do this. And Saul said, no, I'll do what I want. What is that? That's just a stubborn direction. The direction of, I know what God wants, but I'm going to go the opposite way. 
Israel's stubborn decision, again, is that they would not allow themselves to turn to the Lord. Their pride had kept them from admitting that they needed help. Their pride kept them from repenting, and their pride kept them from turning back to the Lord. They would not admit that there was a problem. You go and you do the research, and in these few verses, their sin was not only affecting them, it was affecting the whole land. It was affecting Judah. The sin of Israel, Ephraim, was affecting Judah, and they knew it, and yet they would not repent. They would not turn to the Lord. They were stubbornly and willfully seeking after sin. Isn't it true that we can do this in our own life? We may not openly say, today I choose sin. But often we excuse away our sin and continue in it. And that's the exact same thing that Israel was doing. Tell me, has there ever been a time in your life when God came to you and said, I want this area. I want you to fill in the blank. And we do this. Okay, I know what God wants. I'm going this way. I know what God is asking. I'm doing this. You know what that is? That's a stubborn direction. And it's a choice that we make. And this is where I'm going with this thought. Israel was not pushed away from God. Israel willfully chose to walk away from God. Mark it down. This is a great quote. The battle against, against evil always ends up as a battle of the will. The sinner should not say that they cannot overcome sin. The truth is they will not. Sin is choice. Once you're saved, sin is choice. This is, what, this is what Hosea is pointing out to Israel. Hey, you've made this stubborn, you had this stubborn direction. You've continually done this. That direction was willfully seeking after sin. But the sad thing is, is that their stubborn direction always led to what I'm calling a sad delusion. It always led to a sad delusion. If you look at verse 6 down through verse number 15, and again, we won't read that. Look at verse number 6 very quickly. Here's what, here's what God says. They will go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. That's a precarious verse, isn't it? The reason is because, you know, verse 1 through 5, they're going away from God. Verse 6, all right, now they're going to God with their herds and their flocks, and yet God is apparently not there. Do you see that in the verse? It says, verse 6, they're going to go, but when they get to where God is, God's not there. Here's why. It's because the children of Israel, <clears throat> and you go, and, and again, we do not have the time to get into all of it and do a study. That's for a, a, a Bible Institute class or something like that. But the children of Israel, they had done this. We're going to willfully do what we want, go our direction. We're going to willfully walk away from God. But if we ever need to get right with him, we'll just make some sacrifices. That's what that first part of verse number six means. They go to him with their flocks and their herds. All right, we've sinned. We've done something against God. That's all right. We can just make another sacrifice. I've got, I've got plenty of sheep. That was their mindset. 
Here's the delusion. The delusion is this. They thought they could continue in sin and yet be right with God. There was no repentance. It was not, we're going this direction. We need to get right with God and turn back to him. It was, we're sinning. That's okay. Sacrifice something. We're sinning. That's okay. God will be fine. We're sinning. That's okay. God will forgive. We're sinning. That's okay. That's what grace is for. That was their mindset. Tell me, isn't that a sad delusion? Just to think that a person could continue in sin and never have consequence of their sin and never repent of their sin and yet expect to be in a right relationship with God? Hey, uh, husband, wife, how about you try that in your marriage? I, I know I said something really stupid, but I'll just buy her flowers. I don't ever need to say I'm sorry. Hey, parents, listen, and a lot of parents are doing this. Try that with your kids. And a lot of parents are. Parents never apologize. I heard this last week. I, I don't even know where I heard it. Um, if Hannah was in here, she might be able to remember. But we were, we were somewhere and somebody said something about uh, being with a pastor or somebody that the mom set it up in the home that the dad never did wrong. So she always, the mom would always take the blame. And the mom would always say, no, kids, you're, you know, dad is perfect. And dad wanted that. So he almost set himself up as like this God in the home. Can I just help us with something? That's a sad delusion. Because men, we make mistakes. We, we make mistakes. Parents, you know what you need to do sometimes? You need to be able to look at your kids and be able to say, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I made a mistake there. Would you forgive me? In any, in any earthly relationship, we recognize the need to apologize, to repent, and to be restored, correct? Why, do, why don't we do that with God? Why do we think that we can continue down the road of sin and yet have this delusion of, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just give a little bit extra. That's where penance came from, giving in the Catholic Church. It came from, well, I can't, I can't, I can't recover this, so I'm going to give. Hopefully, if I give enough money to the church, they'll forgive me or they'll forgive my loved one. You say, and we would condemn that, right? I mean, how many of you have grown up Catholic? Raise your hand. You grew up in a Catholic church. Listen, some, we have plenty in here that were in a Catholic church at some point, and, and I look back, and I've seen uh, Isaac raise his hand real high. Uh, Isaac and I, we've talked about this before, and one of the fallacies of the Catholic church is this. Keep sinning. Just live the way you want as long as you come to confession and ABC. We'll, we'll look at that, and we'll be like, Psh, that ain't in the book. Not in the book. That, nope, not, nope, not in this, look. Not in this. It's not in here in black and white. And we'll condemn a false religion, and yet we'll practice the false religion. Oh, we won't give penance. Oh, we won't go to confessional. But we'll do this. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but it's okay. I'll just go to church Sunday, and everything will be all right. It's okay, I'll just pray. Like, as soon as I'm done sinning, I'll pray. I know God will forgive me. 
You say, Pastor, I've, I've never done that. Let's be honest. At times, we know. We know the direction God wants us to go. We don't do it, and yet we're thinking it'll all be okay. And we have this mindset that consequences often don't follow actions. That was Israel. They thought there are no consequences. There are no consequences to sin. But the truth is that there are consequences. There's always consequences. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, but uh, if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Man, there's consequences for sin. The sad delusion is that they thought there were no consequences for sin. Another sad delusion that they had is when they got to times when they needed help, Israel, when Israel got to places where they knew they needed help, you know what they did? They sought help. They sought help from outside sources. Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, it says, uh, I'll read it there. It says, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Here's what God is saying. Hey, when you finally came around to your senses that you needed help, you turned to Ephraim, or, or excuse me, you turned to Assyria. Go, go back to the Old Testament. You know what Israel did time and time again? Oh no, we're surrounded by enemies. Oh no, we've sinned against God. Quick, someone send for the Assyrian army. Quick, someone send for help from Ben-Hadad. Quick, someone go talk to... <laughs> Instead of going, God, we repent. And the whole time the prophet was going, just repent. Just, hey guys, turn back to the Lord. Man, you talk about, you talk about this direction that they were going. It's a horrible direction. And then this delusion they had was that they could sin and not have consequences, that they could rely on outside sources and, not, not, and receive help that only God could give. The sad thing is that this type of mindset is something that every Christian can have but needs to guard against. How do we know every Christian can have it? Because Paul said it this way in the book of Romans. We quote it often, Romans 5, 20 through 6, 2. Paul said this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law proves that there is sin. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice what he said then. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The whole thought that Paul is getting at is what Jesus was, or is what uh, Hosea was saying to, to, the, uh, to the people of Israel, what God was saying to them. Hey, you keep thinking that you're doing right, but you're, you know you're doing wrong, but you're saying this, it's okay, we'll sacrifice. It's okay, we'll seek help. And in Romans, Paul is saying this, hey, you, you know that there is a lot of grace where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and there is no sin that God's grace cannot forgive 
forgive. And yet as believers, often we say, well, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to keep going this direction because there's grace. It's okay. I'm going to keep going this direction because I'll rely on them for help. And we begin doing what Israel did. And that, my friend, is a sad place to be because we are willfully choosing to walk away from God and we do not understand that the consequences of that decision will follow us. Does that make sense tonight? Man, what a, what a powerful passage. You think about consequences. The sad delusion is this, that when we think that there are no consequences, the fact of the matter that if there are no consequences for sin in our life, we should be scared. Why? Here's the passage. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be a partaker of his holiness. Now, no chastisement for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And in that, Paul is saying, hey, listen, when you're growing up, um, now my parents were old school, and if they were here, I'd still say it. My parents gave me spankings growing up. And those spankings, they were not joyous during the time of getting a spanking. But now that I'm 35 and almost 36 years old, can I be honest with you? I'm thankful my parents gave me spankings growing up. I'm thankful for it. Why? Because it helped me. It helped shape character. It helped me understand. Uh, this is a little bit of a side note. I'm going to get off on this for a second. Um, you uh, uh, may be paying attention to the college basketball stuff going on right now. It's a thing, if you don't know, it's called March Madness. They take 64 teams and dwindle it down to two, and you have the championship here in a week and a half or two weeks. Um, one of the teams, just this last week, a player wasn't doing what he should be doing, and the coach, the coach came on the court during a timeout, and the coach was laying into the player. I mean, what are you, you know, just getting after him. Come on, you know, you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be going here. Come on, what are you doing to this 18-year-old kid? And he was just getting after him. And he came back to the bench, and even at the bench, kind of got after him a little bit. Well, the internet, you know, the world's police, they began to say, how dare you coach a student like that? How dare you? And people are posting, I'll be thankful when this type of coaching's gone and all this stuff. They interviewed the 18-year-old. They interviewed him. And he said... I want him to coach me like that because I know he loves me. I know he's trying to get the best out of me. For the first two months, I didn't understand it. But then I realized my coach loves me and he deserves that voice into my life. That's from an 18-year-old kid. He gets it. People who love, now I'm not talking about yelling and screaming at the house listen, just yelling and screaming for, the, for those types of things. I'm just talking about there needs to be somebody in your life that can get on to you a little bit. And that somebody is going to be God at sometimes. 
God's going to allow chastening into our life when we willfully pursue after sin. And that's what the children of Israel were doing. And this is what, this is what Hosea is trying to get to them is saying, hey, listen, you think there's no, you think there's no consequence. You have a sad delusion, my friend, because there is consequence for sin. You think you can continue down this road, but you're going you're gonna to turn and think you can sacrifice to God and God's not going to be there. You know what? As a Christian, we've, when we find ourselves away from the Lord, don't believe. Don't believe that there is no consequence like Israel did. Don't think that you can just continue in sin. Don't think that there will not be consequences for sin. Don't think that you can find help in anyone or anything else. Instead, come to our third point, and that is a simple decision. What's a simple decision? Look at chapter one, or chapter six and verse number one. Now we're into the voice of Israel. This is the Israel's thoughts. Chapter six, verse one, come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. In these verses, we discover Hosea bringing out what the heart of Israel will be after the tribulation. This is all prophetic. After the tribulation, the children of Israel are going to have a heart of repentance, a heart that says, I want to return to the Lord, to come back to the Lord. Not verse 14, or excuse me, verse number six, not I just want to sacrifice so I can continue sinning. No, now I'm going to forsake the sin and turn back to him. There's repentance and there's restoration in that phrase, let us return unto the Lord. Hosea is stating that when Israel returns to the Lord in repentance, not just out of fear, verse number three says that they will know, they will find out that if you follow on to know the Lord, his way, he goes before you, his, his way is going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain in the latter and former rain of the earth. You know what Hosea is saying? Hey, Israel's gonna realize that when they return to the Lord and when they humble their heart and repent and seek after God, they're going to understand that fulfillment is found completely in the Lord. That's verse three, that he prepares my, the going forth as the morning. Wake up and it's a new day with God every day. That he is like the latter rain, the former and the latter rains, the rains that would bless the land and bring the fruit and bring the increase. Hey, God is the one that brings the fruit and brings the increase. God is the one that brings the fulfillment in life. And that's what Hosea is calling Israel to. They don't need to turn to others. No, turn to the Lord. Now, what we can learn from this tonight is a number of things. But I want us to walk away with this thought. Keep a close relationship with God. Keep a close relationship with God. Here's why. Israel, they wanted, like Gomer, Gomer wanted blessing without Hosea. Israel wanted blessing without God. And yet, in the book, God keeps bringing them back to this truth. You cannot find fulfillment apart from a close relationship with God. So what should you do? Keep yourself close to God. 
Man, just stay close to him. Israel wanted true fulfillment, but they continually sought it apart from God. And the fact is you cannot and will not find a fulfilled life away or apart from God. I want to illustrate this and we'll be done this, this evening. Uh, Dustin, can I get you to come help me? Would you mind doing that? And, uh, and then Micah, where are you at? Little Micah. Micah, come here. <clears throat> Just stand right down there, okay? Why don't you put that on the front seat so you don't lose it? Or in your pocket. Dustin, come over here. I want Dustin, I want Dustin to represent God, all right? And I want Micah to represent a Christian. Okay, you following that? Dustin's who? God. Chris, are you getting notes? <laughs> Dustin's going to represent God. Micah's going to represent the Christian. Um, let's see. Robert, would you come here, please? And uh, Jason, you want to help me out? You thought you were going to get away with it. You're not. Uh, Jason, and then... Um, and Brother Craig, would you come help me real quick? You guys come over here. Come over here. Do you know how to shoot these? You, you cock it and you shoot. This one, you just cock it and, and you shoot. If you guys would, just turn right here and, and just aim this way. You're just going to aim this way. Now, here's what, I want to, here's what I want us to understand. All right, I, want you, I, want, I want us to get this. It's going to be a funny illustration, but I really think it's going to hit home on this thought, okay? So who's, who's he representing? God. Who's this representing? The Christian. I want these three guys to represent really just the attacks of life. All right, listen. They're going to represent physical, spiritual, and emotional attacks. Okay? You have physical spiritual and emotional. I don't know why, but that just came to me. <clears throat> okay, now listen. Listen. Is every... Don't, uh, follow it. Um, is every attack in our life... Is every attack... No, no. Does every attack in our life lead to sin? No. No, of course not. Can every attack in our life lead to sin? Yes. Why? Because of discouragement. Because if I'm attacked, I get discouraged. And if I get discouraged, I begin to doubt God. And if I begin to doubt God, I begin to doubt God's word. And if I doubt God's word, that can lead me down any road. Okay, the children of Israel, what happened in their life that led them down the road of repetitious sin? It started because of pride that said, we have been attacked. God has not helped we lean on our own knowledge. We begin to seek help from Assyria. You following this? Their pride led them down that road. So here's what I want to look at. Here's what Hosea is getting to, okay? If you and I, as a Christian, now remember, he's talking to Israel, so there's just some application here for us, and we'll see it in the New Testament in just a second. You and I, as a Christian, do you know when we are susceptible to the emotional, physical, and spiritual attacks. Step back, would you? Gentlemen. Okay, stop. 
Do you know when we're susceptible to it? We're susceptible to attacks. Don't follow it. Don't, don't miss it. We're susceptible to the attacks of the devil when we get away from God. But when you keep a close relationship with God, have at it, boys. They're still shooting. Listen, you don't see it, but Micah's making faces at them. Listen, I want to do something real quick. Did any of those, Micah, did any of those darts hit you? No. Why? Close relationship with God. However, when you and I say, you know, I know God doesn't want me to, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, I know God, wait, don't follow it. You know, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Oh, I, I know there's, you know what? There's not really consequences. I mean, in all honesty, I'll just, I'll just do some sacrifices. That's what they were doing. Oh, I know, I, we know we shouldn't go after the God of Baal and Ashtaroth, and we know we shouldn't do this, but we'll, we'll just sacrifice animals. I mean, we'll, I've got plenty of sheep. I'll just throw them back. And then they went further and they said, oh, uh, hey, um, Assyria, Assyria, I've got some troubles. Assyria, would you help me? Assyria, would you help me? Question, are the attacks still going to hurt? Now it's just going to hurt more people. You following that? Here's the truth. The key, the key in every area of your life and my life is this. Stay close to God. Keep a close relationship with God. Why? Because then my sin, it doesn't affect anybody else. It doesn't affect anybody else. Why? Because I've repented and I've Hosea chapter six and verse number one, I've come and let us return to the Lord. I Hosea chapter six and verse number three, I realize that fulfillment and blessing is found in the close relationship with my God. Two thoughts for us tonight. You guys can be seated. You guys can't. You got one left. Sorry. <clears throat> Two thoughts for us tonight. Number one, if you are at a place where Israel was, that you know in your, listen, don't miss it. Two thoughts and we're done. If you are at a place where Israel was, that you know, you know in your heart, there is sin and you have not repented. Can I encourage you to make this decision tonight? Repent turn back. If there's an area of your life that God is calling you and you're, you're supposed to be doing that, but you're not, you're saying, no, I'm going this way, not this way. If that's taking place, return. That's the first. If you're in that, if you're in the place of Israel, return. If you are close to God right now, can I challenge you with this? This week, don't leave. This week, don't willfully choose the sad delusion to believe that there is your direction.
and that there is no consequence. Don't leave. Why? The close relationship, the close relationship of me and God, that is key. If I'm close to him, if I'm close to him, oh, the darts are still coming. Oh, I'll still have some ups and downs. Oh, it's still challenging. But I'm not following that sad delusion. Why? Because I'm walking with my God. You guys can be seated. That is, that is the key of the passage in Hosea chapter five and six. They decided they wanted to walk away. And God said, don't think that you can walk away without consequences. Don't think that you can walk away without it hurting other people near you. Instead, choose a close relationship with me. A couple last verses. Did you know Jesus taught this and the disciples got it? One of my favorite passages in our study of the life of Christ was John 6, verse 66 through 69. Jesus had just said, I am the bread of life and you cannot come to the Father except you eat of the bread of life. And here's what you read. From that time forth, from that time, many of his disciples went back. His followers, they went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the 12, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know what the apostle said? You know what Peter said? To whom shall we go? Where else am I going to find fulfillment except for in my relationship and being close to my God? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. And I want to I challenge you tonight. In your own heart, will you make a commitment this week? God, I'm going to stay close to you. This week, God, I'm going to stay real with you. This week, God, I'm not going to walk away thinking that I can just turn around and that's what grace is for and that I can just keep walking in my sin. No, this week, God, I'm going to recognize that you want that close relationship with me. I'm going to pray, and then if God's spoken to our hearts, let's respond to him tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us tonight. Help us to stay close to you this week and make that decision. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.